It's the podcast specifically for the Australian country music industry. Our country. Conversations with prominent Australian country music identities. Recorded and produced in Tamworth, Australia's country music capital at Radio 2TM. And now, the host of our country, 2TM presenter and award-winning singer-songwriter, Sally Ann Witten. I'm Sally Ann Witten, and welcome to Episode 3 of Our Country, a series of podcasts specifically designed for and about the country music industry. In this episode, I'm joined by highly acclaimed multi-award-winning producer Matt Fell. Matt's Love Hurt Studios has seen the likes of Sarah Storer, Graeme Connors, Amber Lawrence, Judah Kelly, John Williamson and countless others trust Matt to take the helm on their albums. Known for not only the outstanding quality of his work, but his professionalism, passion and innovative ideas in the studio, Matt and I discuss all things recording, songcraft and musicianship. I hope you enjoy my conversation with Matt Fell. Matt Fell, thank you so much for being part of our country podcast series. It's so good to be able to sit down and chat with you for a change. How's everything going, Matt? Oh, it's going great. Thanks so much. It's a pleasure to be a part of it. Uh, It's a pleasure to have you. I know how busy you are and uh, we're just delighted to have you as part of our series. So, Matt, can you tell us, I know you started out as a musician and you're still a musician, obviously, very busy as a musician as well. That transition from musician to producer, was that a natural progression or how did that come about? Yeah, it was a very natural progression. Uh, I mean, about as natural as it could possibly be, really. And it happened over a very long period of time. I was, uh, as a kid, I was, you know, mad drummer and then sort of started sort of getting more into guitars and keyboards and things. And it was always my intention to be a, a full-time working musician. But in the background, I was right into recording songs that I was writing. And that sort of slowly grew into me recording demos for friends. But it was just on a four-track recorder. Uh, four-track cassette recorder. Fantastic. Yeah, and it just, it it really just happened very progressively and naturally over about, gosh, really over about 15 years. I I really loved recording, but when I started doing it, I had no idea what producing was. For, for me, I was just, you know, just getting my ideas down onto tape. And when I started working on other people's songs, I started kind of realising oh, this is kind of fun and I'll really like doing this. And I think a lot of producing for me stemmed from, you know, all the bands that I was in in high school. I was always really bossy and telling everybody what to do. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, I'd, I had no idea. <laughs> um, but I think it, it kind of just made sense really that that's where I ended up. And, I, you know, I always loved playing, but there there came a point for me where, touring uh really just started to be a bit of a drag you know it's um and I I loved you know I used to do all sorts of gigs every gig imaginable uh when I moved to Sydney but um you know when I first moved to Sydney I was probably doing about five percent recording and 95 percent gigs and over the last 20 or so years that has just swung in the other direction and now I just sort of play for friends if I want to, you know, it's a, it's a good situation to be in. I only really play with, you know, three or four artists now and that, even that's quite sporadic, so. Yeah, right. Yeah. And do you think, do you feel like being a musician first 
makes a better producer and a better engineer? And, and maybe do you think too that, that delving into the world of production and recording makes you a, a different or a better musician? Um, I don't know that it makes you a better musician because I think in a lot of ways when you're producing, you're spending a lot of time not playing. Yeah. So, you know, I think you kind of grow as a musician and you become more mature and wiser and uh, sometimes you make better choices maybe, but you're not flexing that muscle as often. You're not practising. So I don't think you necessarily become a better musician, but I think, well, I know for sure that all the work that I did as a musician had a huge impact on me as a producer because, you know, w- the best bit of advice I ever got when I was at uni was um, never say no. So when I moved to Sydney, I just said yes to everything regardless of whether I was suited for it or not. Uh, and so as a result of doing that, I, you know, I got good at throwing myself into the deep end and being able to play all sorts of different styles, different instruments and when you're producing records, and especially when you do the amount of records that I've ended up doing, you will often find yourself thinking, well, this song has like a samba, a samba feel, for example. Uh, and because I played a lot of that, I can, you sort of just draw on it naturally. So, yeah, it definitely has a huge impact. What do you think makes a good producer? When you think about, um, you know, people that you whose work you admire, the great producers of the world, whoever if whoever they might be, do, what do you think those key elements are that makes a good producer from an average producer? I think the first thing, uh, and it's not always easy to tell when you're listening to a record, but what really helps as a producer is to be able to listen to a song and know where the problems are. Mm to find the dead weight, to find the bits that shouldn't be there uh, and to either get rid of them or improve them. Um, So that's a very fundamental skill, I think, that you you learn over time. And that's so that's the first thing. You've got to be able to listen to a song in its raw form and work out what the problems are. Mm. Um, Secondly, I think what, what makes a... What's, what's a really important uh, quality for a producer is imagination. Yes. You know, you've got to be able to hear hear a song, again, in, in its raw form and have an idea of where it could go. Uh, and, you know, that's not as easy as it might sound because, you know, at every point when you're recording a song, you have a million different options available to you. There's so many ways that you can do it. So you've got to be able to pick what the best path is and also be able to have the presence of mind to change course at any moment because uh, you might think that it's going in the right direction and then something will happen and you're off on a left turn and that's where it was supposed to go. So you've got to be open to those moments, I guess. The difference between a producer and an engineer I feel like the song, when I hear it, it's got lots of potential, but it just doesn't sound finished. I don't know. Do you do you hear a lot of that stuff? Do you know? Where, do you have people come to you as an engineer and and a producer that where you need to you know switch hats rather than pro- and being an engineer and actually get in and and tell your clients that these songs maybe not quite ready for 
for recording yet? Yeah, look, I, I, there are times when uh, definitely the right call is to is to say that, is to say, look, you need more time, you need more songs, you need to work on these songs more. Sometimes the songs just need a little bit of help and sometimes they're just ready to go, you know. Um, but the, the, it's an interesting thing between, you know, the, the hats that you wear, for myself being a producer and an engineer, I'm an engineer, I guess, but kind of out of necessity and by default. Um, you know, I, I guess the best way to describe an engineer in, say, if we're talking about making a movie, is they're like the cameraman, whereas the producer is the director. Mm. Um, but a director also needs to have a good knowledge of cinematography and how cameras work. Yeah. So for me, I, I learned how to engineer because... I wasn't going to be able to afford to pay anybody and neither were the people that I was working with. So I just started doing it. And I think, you know, if given the choice, I probably wouldn't do it. But it, it's, it's funny how a lot of times the lines get very blurred. And I think that as a producer, you're trying to achieve a certain sound and being an engineer helps you do that. So it sort of takes out the middleman a little bit. Yeah, yeah, Absolutely. And what do you say if an artist comes to you, uh, you know, rings you Matt Fell, I want Matt Fell to produce an album for me, uh, gives you a bunch of demos that you feel perhaps aren't quite there yet? Is that a difficult conversation for you to have with somebody or is there a good way around that? Um, I find that usually people want real honesty when it comes to that. Mm -hmm. I think that if you're making an album, it's a really big commitment and... I think that given the choice, an artist would rather a producer say, give them the truth yep. than, than, you know, uh, sort of just tell them what they want to hear. Yeah. Uh, because they're making a big step in doing it. Um, but, you know, it's interesting. Look, I've done a lot of records in my career that I wouldn't say are particularly great uh, or, you know, the songs were all that amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've struggled with that a few times and I've, I've worked with some artists who, you know, were even going as far as mortgaging their house or, you know, taking a whole year off work or quitting their job to, to be an artist. And you just know it's not going to work out because they just don't have quite an, you know, enough talent. And that's a hard situation and I, I struggle with it, but I have a few times thought, well, this person is going to go off and make a record regardless of whether I do it or not. And they want me to do it. And so I want to give them a great experience and make it as good as it can possibly be and give it my best. So, you know, in that situation, I, I, I'm totally comfortable with with doing it and, and making it as good as it can possibly be. Uh, I, I learned a while ago too that, you know, I, I do a lot of albums where I may not necessarily like all the material, as in my own personal taste. Mm-hmm. Um, and I realised a little while ago that, that that that's not important because it's not my job to love the songs. It's my job to make them sound and be as good as they can possibly be. That's what people are coming to me and any producer for. Yeah, that must be hard though. Well, it's not, though, because it it sounds like it would be hard, but it's not because there's a lot of craft that goes into making a record. And it's fun. 
you know, like it's it's an enjoyable process. So you've really got to almost put your own emotion aside and, you know, look at it from a different point of view if it's a style of music or something that you don't particularly care for. I just think that would be so hard. Yeah, I, honestly, I you know, I don't find it that hard. I, I In fact, some of the most enjoyable records I've done have been albums where I didn't even really like the songs that much. Wow, really? Be- yeah, because... I really liked the person, yeah, or the art, the artist, or the band. We had a we had a great rapport. We had fun doing it, and we worked really hard on making it sound amazing. And I think when you're because when you're producing a song, it's very different to if you're just listening to the song as a music fan, right? Because if I put on a song for listening, for just purely for listening, I'm going to listen to it once. And then I'm going to listen to something else. Yeah. When you're producing a song in the studio, you're going to listen to it a hundred times. Mm-hmm. So when you look at it from that perspective, it's a very different process because it's analytical and it's creative and it's removed from the casual listening experience that a music fan would go through. So I will get great pleasure out of recording an amazing drum track or, you know, finding a great keyboard sound or, you know, putting together an awesome vocal. Like that to me is extremely enjoyable. And when a song comes together and it sounds great and everyone in the room is happy with it and there's that energy, it's a wonderful thing. So it it really, it's not hard at all. It's only hard for me when maybe the the vibe isn't that great or you don't really get on very well with the artists. So, yeah, it's, it's, you just, it just comes, you come at it from a very different perspective. Now you touched on uh, the creative process there because, and there's a lot of talk about when you're an artist or a songwriter or a musician, even, you know, the creative process of coming up with the material and the arrangements. What about the creative process for the producer? That must be something different. Again, where do you get inspiration from as a producer? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I don't know. It's funny. I, I, I really don't have much time to even listen to music these days. So I think the inspiration just comes from, and as silly as it might sound, from just inside. You know, like, uh, you know, I'm on this eternal quest to make music that sounds great mm-hmm. and to listen, yeah, it, it, the, to me the biggest thrill is when I hear something back and think I can't believe I did that, you know, or I can't, you know, that sounds like something that I would listen to on the radio or on Spotify and go, wow, that's really cool, you know. So to that's that's the goal all the time. And so I guess the inspiration is just... It just comes from within yourself to create something that you can feel really proud of. Uh, just to tap into that thing that musicians have, you know. Are there particular producers that you aspire to or that whose work you really admire? Oh, sure. Uh, quote Daniel Lenoir or um, T-Bone Burnett or, you know, Jeff Lynne, people like those guys. Yeah, all those guys. And, and um, there's people, for me, um, one of my heroes is a guy called John Bryan. Um, 
there's lots really. Um, Mitchell Froome is a, was a huge influence on me. He was Crowded House's producer. Yeah. Probably more than anybody else, I'd say that was the biggest influence. That was when I first kind of, you know, I couldn't decide whether I was going to be a drummer or a guitarist or a bass player. And and I thought, well, hang on, what's that guy doing? He's kind of putting it all together and that sounds, that sounds like, like what I want to do. Unless packing up at the end of the night, you just have one yeah, that, studio. <laughs> that's right. But yeah, I think the good thing, look, the good thing about producing and particularly when you're doing lots of different records is that every job is different. So... You know, you're just you're just drawing on the the huge pool that is the music that you've accumulated in your brain over a long period of time. Yeah, absolutely. Now, if I was a, a young artist wanting to record an album, uh, just sort of starting out, maybe I've done the country music college, something like that. Have you got some advice about where to start and and you know how to get myself into the studio? Yeah. <clears throat> Look, I think the most important thing, if you're a songwriter, an up-and-coming songwriter, is just to write and write and write and write and keep keep writing. Um, don't make the mistake of thinking that you've arrived and that you're ready and that you've got, you know, you're done. Like, if you've written five songs, okay, I'm, I'm ready for an EP. Yeah. Uh, write 50 songs and be ready for an EP. Pick the best five. Um, and if you're in the studio recording your five songs and when you go to bed that night, write another one if you feel like it. Like, just keep writing songs. Yeah, I think it's just the more you do it, the better you'll get. Um, I think it's it's kind of that simple. As purely from a songwriting perspective, I think just to keep doing it, to keep flexing that muscle and... To be really open to people's critiques, you know, the, the, one of the hardest things in the studio is finding out where that, where the trust lies. You know, you've got to be able to trust people that you're working with, but then at this, by the same token, you've also got to have that confidence and self-assuredness to know when something's happening that you're not happy with. Mm. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's that's a bit of a fine line, but yeah, I, I think I think that's I think just just doing it is the the best way to 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 get somewhere as a songwriter. Just keep doing it. To keep doing it, yeah. Uh, now, Matt, you've recorded some extraordinary artists in your career already, and you're only a young fella. Uh, what do you <laughs> think with all these great artists? I mean, you've had some of my absolute favourites in there. Graham Connors, that would just be an epic experience, recording a storyteller like Graham, Sarah Stora. I don't know, there's so many. Your list of names reads like a who's who of the Australian music industry. But in all of that experience, what do you reckon the secret is to recording a great album? So not a not a... Not a pretty good album, but an absolutely great album. Uh, look, I think it's commitment, really. I think that you've – I think you can tell – I mean, I can tell when I listen to an album and I know that at least a few people didn't have their heart in it. Uh, and I think when it comes down to it, you've got to either blame or praise the producer for that because if an album sounds like it's undercooked and it's not – really exciting, then the producers kind of drop the ball because that's, that's their job to make sure it comes out great. Um, so I know that the albums that 
that I've done that I'm really proud of that I know that I couldn't have done better at, they're the ones where, you know, I just worked really hard and and just didn't settle for second best and kept going till it was right. And sometimes that can also mean that it happens extremely quickly too, but you, but you know when that moment is. Um, so, yeah, I, I think it's just having that commitment to say this is going to be an amazing record and we're not going to stop till it's there. Uh, and, you know, I, I've, I learned that primarily fr- I, uh, from Tim Friedman. Um, who I did a record for him a few years ago. And at that point, I think it, it might have been about eight years ago, ten years ago now, and I'd been doing a lot of albums and I think sometimes I was being a bit... I certainly wasn't pushing myself hard enough and I work, after working with him I realised the value in real dedication and commitment to your art. You know, he wasn't there to make me feel better or to stroke my ego. He was there to make sure we got the best possible result and if that meant scrapping four days of work, then so be it. And at first that was a real shock to me and I found it really hard to get used to. But then halfway through the album, I realised this is amazing. You know, this is this is a great way to make music. Uh, and ever since that experience, I think my work has improved and I realised the value of of dedication and commitment when it comes to producing an album and just, just how important that really is. And not only from the producer, though, either. I mean, that comes back to, I guess, ultimately it's still the producer's job to find the right people to be involved in that project who you know are going to be committed and get excited and just rather than turn up and play the charts, actually have some input and and have the right attitude about the project as well. That's right. And also getting those people to be in the right headspace. Uh, you know, it's easy as a session musician to dial it in. And, you know, I, I th- one of the best examples I can give of this was um, the first time I went to Nashville and uh, we were tracking a record and we had like five or six players all in the room and it was sounding really boring and just dull and like exactly pr- what everyone had been doing the day before. And I just thought, what, this isn't working, what can I do? And I, I just walked into the room where everyone was and I opened up all the doors and to all the booths, that, you know, where they had all their amps and everything. And as I was walking back into the control room, the, the couple of the guys said to me, what are you doing? And I said, well, I'm opening all the doors. And they said, well, if you do that, all the sound's going to bleed. And I was like, yeah, that's right. <laughs> and and uh, they said, well, that means we're going to have to all get it right in the one take and I said yeah that's right so let's all get it right in the one take and instantly everyone's just like oh okay you know okay, all right let's let's do this and you know I, I didn't need to do I didn't I didn't necessarily want the doors open but it got everyone into the a different frame of mind into the right frame of mind and from then on in it was a blast and we all had a great time and I and I felt like they gave the, their very best that day. And so, you know, it's about doing stuff like that. You know, you can have the best musicians in the world, but unless they're inspired and you're inspiring them, then, you know, what's the point? You've got to, you've got to be able to bring the best out in people. And that's, obviously that's a huge part of, of producing. 
Yeah, exactly right. And from now on, Matt Phil has an open door policy in the studio. (laughs) Now, you touched on uh, Nashville there, Matt. I know that you do a lot of work in Nashville. It's almost become a bit of a a pilgrimage for you to take a lot of work over there. And I know you've got some Australian clients that like to go and record over there. Why do you think that is? Why why should we go to Nashville and record? What's the attraction there? Well... Look, ultimately, I'm not sure that there's any real difference in doing it in Nashville or doing it here. But I think for a lot of artists, and I totally get it, it's a bucket list thing. You know, it's it's one of those things that you go to Disneyland or you you um, record your music in Nashville because that's the home of of country music. And, and not only is it the home of country music, but it's the, also the home of some of the finest musicians in the world. And... Now, I wouldn't necessarily say that they're any better than the finest musicians in Australia, but the difference is that there's so much happening there and it's so competitive and it's so cutthroat that these guys and girls have to be on their absolute A game every single day and they've got to be fast. And so it's just a different, it's a different experience. Um, so, you know, I was... A few years ago, I was noticing that a lot of people were going over and also noticing that the the product that they came back with wasn't always that great. And it wasn't because the players weren't great. It was just that either they the artists didn't really know who to book, they didn't really have someone producing the session properly. And so I thought, well, people trust me with their projects. I should start going over there myself and... And sort of babysitting these albums for people, um, and it's great fun. I really, I really love doing it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's nice for me to, you know, I, I, it's really important because I'm always making music every day. That you've got to throw yourself some curveballs, and you've got to get yourself out of your comfort zone all the time. Do different things to keep you inspired, and to make sure that what you did today isn't the same as what you did yesterday. So. For me, going over to Nashville is just great for that because it's working with different people and just a different environment. It's it's a lot of fun. Sounds very inspiring. Yeah, it's 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 awesome. It's great, and you know, you just I think all these experiences, you know, inform your future choices and and just sort of add to that sort of musical tapestry, I guess. Now, tell me, this is a, a phrase that I've heard bandied around the past few years, um, mixing for a market. Uh, is that something that you, is that a term that you're familiar with? Can you enlighten me about that, this idea that uh, records should be mixed for a particular market in country music, especially maybe from your work in Nashville? Is that something that you've got a little bit of uh, experience in? Um, is it a thing? Okay. Well, look, it is, it is a thing. Uh, it's just not a thing for me. Uh, I refuse to think about marketing in any sense at any point of making a record. And I love that. I just, I just, you know, to me, when you listen to something and you can hear the marketing meeting in the room, you can hear it in the track. No, thanks. I'm, I just automatically switch off. Um, I'm not interested in making hits. Um, I'm not interested in tailoring anything to a market, to a radio station, to a playlist. Uh, I now I 
I have full respect for people that do and I admire people that can do that really well. I just can't, I just, I just refuse to do it. Um, and, and I, I have, as a, I have a couple of friends that have become hugely successful producers, um, around the world and they, and partly it's their talent, but it's also, they've been really good at, at doing that and that's been a priority for them and I applaud them. I just made a choice a long time ago not to do it, uh, for better or for worse. I just think that, you know, you owe it. Well, look, we, we are all serving the song first and foremost and the song is the be-all and end-all of everything. So I'm only interested in making a song sound as good as it can possibly be and... You know, I think that that's what the audience ultimately cares about and that's what the artist cares about. Now, having said that, you know, there are... If I'm doing a Wolf Brothers record, for example, I'm not going to try and make it sound raw and, like, minimal minimal overdubs and really rough and ready. You know, it's going to sound slick and it's going to sound produced because that's what... That's that's their thing, and that's what they're after, and so therefore that's my job, you know. It's not catering to a market; it's just bringing out the best of what they do in the style that they. Yeah, yeah. You see, now that's it. That's that's exactly you nailed it there because that's that's the big difference. If you're catering to something, you're losing sight. I I believe of the art, you know. Yeah. So serve the song, serve the artist, and. You know, if if it's good enough, it'll all fall into place, and and it'll all find its own place in the market. That is exactly. I think that's the point, and that's a thing a lot of people miss. I think when they're chasing a market, chasing a market because they think that they've got to stay ahead of the trends, and that's what will make them successful. I agree with you. I think if you're good enough, and you work hard enough, and you get a production, uh, you know, recording that's good enough eventually that will get you there without having to compromise or play to a market that you're not even sure will be the market next week, you know? It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, I just, yeah, make make the best record you can make and that's what's, I think all the really great records are the ones that, you know, weren't um, too premeditated. They They relied on art and instinct rather than, um, market research. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Of course. All the great records are a little bit organic in that way, I think. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And now I think that um, what, what, is, what it can be really exciting when you're making a record is having a, um, a premeditated idea going into it, a concept. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that to be incredibly inspiring. Um, you know, uh, like uh, the the new Wolf Brothers record, which has been really, I think it's been a real success for them. That album, we had some definite ideas going into it about not how necessarily it was going to sound because we didn't really know, but the approach that we were going to take to it. Um, now I'm kind of veering a little bit off your question here before, but um, it's an interesting thing. Like with the Wolf Brothers album, I made the decision to go, okay, Every record you guys have done has been drums, bass, guitars, all at the start, and then you fill in the gaps after that. Let's go 
in the complete opposite direction and do the gaps first. Mm. So we didn't do guitars or drums for over a week, you know. We, instead, we got out synthesizers and drum machines and banjos and, and found the gaps first, found the bits that might give it its own identity first and then built up around that. Uh, and that was a really successful concept and a really great idea because it just put everybody in the right headspace and each song found its own unique identity and then when the drums and the guitars went on there, they were working around that rather than the other way around. Um, Sarah Stora's new record, which I'm so excited for people to hear, I think it's coming out in April, um, there's no electric guitar in it. Uh, it's all acoustics, but I wanted the acoustics to sound unlike, you know, the, your normal acoustic guitar thing. So we ended up doing it at Shane Nicholson's house. I loved the sound of his house. We put microphones all through the house and every acoustic instrument was run through a guitar amp with the guitar amp bleeding out into the room and we didn't even mic the guitar amp. So it, we got this incredible, unique sound that was just so perfect for those songs and just put us in this great creative space. Um, things like that can just really propel you into, uh, you know, uncharted territory and, and just make the whole project really exciting. I can't wait to hear that. That's, I'm trying oh, to it's a imagine beauty. how that would sound. <laughs> it's so great. It's, some of it's, it sounds like music from another dimension to me. I don't, I, I'm just so proud of this record and I, I hope that, that people really love it. Uh, I'm sure they will. I can't wait to get my ears around it. I had a sneak peek. Uh, Sarah came into the studio in the festival and sang a couple of songs for us and they were magic. I can only imagine how they're going to sound all uh, produced up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she, it's, she's, she's done a, uh, I think she's done her best record yet and it's a real beauty. That's exciting. That must be exciting for, for you as a producer to be part of those projects, you know, to say something like that, that you think this is her best record yet and it's your work, so to speak, or part of your work. How does that make you feel? Um, you know, it's, it's so interesting because, you know, us producers spend so much time in these rooms sort of cut off from the rest of the world um, obsessing over these projects, like a, an album like Sarah's record, you know, I completely, completely obsessed over it and just spent so much time just, just getting it to be absolutely a, as perfect as I possibly could. And the, the really weird thing for me and I'm sure for many other producers, we finish these records, we sign off on them, they're all done, and then six months later or so, they, they get out into the world and we're completely oblivious <laughs> to, to the impact that they may have had. And even hearing you before saying to me, like, you know, uh, the, the, the number of albums that I've done and, and all of that, when I, even when I just hear that, I, I, I kind of go, oh, yeah, there, there are a lot of them and... And people, and people must like them. There must be people out there in this country that, that listen to them and really enjoy them as I enjoy particular records. But we're so, we're so completely unaware of it that the only times it ever really kind of hits home is um, maybe like on awards nights or, you know, when someone randomly will tell you, 
I love that record. And you go, oh, oh, you've, oh, you've heard it. <laughs> oh, you heard, you heard that record. That's right. Yeah, I forgot that you can actually listen. People can listen to that because honestly, it sounds silly, but they feel like mine and the artists. You know, of course. Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Uh, yeah, so I, I, I still haven't gotten my head around the fact that they belong to lots of other people as well. So, you know, every now and then you're reminded of it and. It's really, it's really fantastic. I, I love that people do love them, um, artists and musicians and and music fans. It's 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 really cool. But but ultimately, when it comes down to it, I I kind of still don't really understand it. It doesn't really make sense because it kind of still exists in this room uh, on the hard drive. And yeah, it's 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 such a weird thing. And do you hear it when you hear it months later? Because I know, you know you hear it so in depth and you you know to the nth degree of tuning the the you listen to the snare track five thousand times and then you you know fix that little bit and then you tune it and then it's every tiny little aspect you just it's pulled apart so much then when you hear it months later or a year later do you hear it differently do you think oh yeah 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 you really do um i think it takes i reckon it takes six months till you can remove yourself from the details yeah and, you know, even sometimes when I'll, I'll send an album off to mastering and I'll go, oh, gee, did I re- oh, could I have gotten the hi-hat sound better? I'm not sure. I really tried to. And then you hear it six months later and you're like, what the hell were you thinking? The hi-hat sounds great. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, so I think that you, you remove yourself from the, the analytical side of the brain six months later. Um, and then, you know, it's 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 you know, half and a half. Sometimes I'll hear something that I've done and go, wow, I nailed it, that's great, couldn't have done it better, really pleased. And sometimes you go, yeah, no, I didn't get that right. I thought I did. I thought, <laughs> I, thought I was happy with it. And, and you know, and, and sometimes I'm, that's probably just me, you know. Uh, I know I did, a, I did a record for someone like a couple of years ago and it was a really successful record for them and it did great and and I know that a lot of people really love it and I always felt like I oh, I could have done it better you know and I mentioned that to that this particular artist because we we've done another one together since and you know and he thought I was insane because he was in love with it and everybody else loved it and and so maybe I maybe I'm just deluded I I don't know but you know it's it's a weird thing sometimes you you know you nailed it and sometimes you just didn't quite get there. But I, look, I, th- I think ultimately when it comes down to it, it's good to be hard on yourself and it's good to be critical because that's what propels you forward and pushes you to make better art. I think that's important. But also, as you're saying, sometimes you could probably be too hard on yourself because you can agonise over those little details that to an engineer and a producer are so important. But in the you know, in the in the wash or in the mix later on, as a as a listener or an artist listening back to that product, it's actually it's actually great. Yeah, yeah. Look, it's a, it's a fine line because it's very it's very easy to say. And you know, and a long time ago, I think when I was starting out, I used to be like this. Oh, it's a tiny detail; it doesn't matter. Yeah, it's fine. It's fine. I could imagine it's a slippery slope. Yeah, well, and Quincy Jones uh, said that, you know, making a record is a million tiny decisions. Uh, and, and that's true. So, and they're all important. So, 
I think you, you've got to make sure that the tiny decisions do get the attention they deserve. And if you do that, the cumulative effect is that they'll, it'll turn into a, a great sounding record. But yeah, sure. We, we, we do have the potential to disappear up our own selves. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, um, and look, sometimes as a, as a producer, one of the biggest jobs is to stop the artist from doing that. Yes. Because uh, artists are often worse than producers when it comes to that and being highly, highly critical of, say, their own voice or their own songs. And indecisiveness is a, is a, can be a killer thing in a studio. Yes. Yes, I feel those words very deeply. Uh, what's that saying? The road to success is paved with uh, dead squirrels that couldn't make a decision or something like that. Ah, that's very good. <laughs> oh, Matt, thank you so much for being a part of our podcast for our country. We've got some brilliant insights into the recording industry, into your production and you know the process and the artistry involved. Uh, congratulations on on all you know your golden guitars and the great success that you've had already and I it's just going to I'm sure your business and your work and you know your clientele is just going to go from strength to strength even more you probably need some help in fact I think you know extra staff <laughs> <laughs> that'd be nice wouldn't it yeah. uh, thanks so much no I really I, it's, I really appreciate it it means a lot thank you and it's been a pleasure to be a part of this Thank you so much for your insights and your time and uh, we'll keep in touch and, you know, keep an eye on uh, Love Hurts and see what projects are coming out, especially the new Sarah Storer one. We're excited for that. And, uh, yeah, good luck for all of your Nashville trips and we'll keep in touch for the future. Join me next month for our next episode of Our Country. I chat to Becky Cole about the changing face of Australian country music and the challenges of finding your way as a young artist. Support and encouragement is so important and you never forget as a young artist you never forget I never forget Keith Urban saying just be yourself and that mm. sounds like you know such a cliche and like every you know yeah but yes that's the number one thing that you would tell tell somebody but Keith Urban saying that to me it it meant something especially as as he became more Keith Urban as the years went on I went oh yeah he told me to be myself he was right that's next time on Our Country thank you for joining us Our Country the Australian country music industry podcast is a production of Radio 2TM Tamworth our host is Sally Ann Witten production is by Jared Brooke and Scott McLaren and our executive producer is Gavin Flanagan 